everyone, it's John and John on Saturday night, February 24th, and you're listening to We've Heard It Both Ways, a show where we take current events and topics of interest to talk about what's happening in today's world and circumstances that might apply to your daily life. Hey, John. Hey, man. How's it going? Pretty good. Yourself? I'm good. Um, we can get into it a little bit. Uh, it's, been, it's been a long week for me. Yeah, what's been long, going on? A long bud? couple weeks. Well, before I get into that, I just want to uh, mention that... Uh, we have our first guest oh, ever yeah, joining that's the right. podcast. Sarah, welcome to, yes, welcome Sarah. to the show. You forgot about me, Johnny. I appreciate <laughs> it. Already. <laughs> How sorry. could you forget? You didn't intro her. <clears throat> no, yes, but yes. We also have Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sarah. We may or may not be dating. We'll leave that up to the, <laughs> to the We'll leave that up to the listeners. Yeah, well, how about we let okay. her decide after the show? <laughs> exactly. Johnny, ask me again how, how I'm doing. How are you doing, John? It's been rough. I... Uh, Last uh, Saturday... Hold on. How you doing, Sarah? Okay. Oh, you're trying to make up for it. it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to how Sarah's doing. <laughs> okay. Fine. Uh, last Saturday, I sprained my ankle. Oh. Uh, yeah. You poor baby. I know. And how did you sprain your ankle? We don't have to get into the details <laughs> of it, but uh, I may have been... Um, slightly inebriated okay but i sprained my ankle i haven't been able to work out all week and all week i've been icing my ankle it's been rough the entire left side of my foot was like blue and purple and then a little and my uh when it was at its worst my ankle was probably swollen up about three times its normal size and i had a little bruising and a little purple around my toes as well uh but it's still how's it now uh, it's it's much better now Mm. but the first few nights was rough like i really couldn't walk on it very well i'm sorry no, it's all good. Glad you're feeling better, though. Yeah, me too. It's not a big deal. Um, Might I point out that this night that this happened was the night that I went home and went to bed oh. because nothing good happens after midnight. Mm, so I don't, Sarah's responsible. <laughs> I don't know if I. Agree. Or really lame. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. It's Sarah's fault because we didn't have adult supervision around to make sure <laughs> things like this didn't happen. It's a hundred percent my fault. Sorry, guys. <laughs> But you did go to Tokyo Kitty that night, right? Yeah, I went to a new bar. That's right. Well, That's you were right. there. You were there. I was there. there. That was interesting. Yeah. So, so that was the night. Yeah, the night uh, we went there. That was the night I, I rolled my ankle. Would you call it a bar or a club? Uh, it's like a. It's more of like a club. I would say club It's setting. not super clubby. It's not like. Yeah. <laughs> so for anyone anyone listening <laughs> in the Cincinnati area, uh, Tokyo Kitty is this new club that opened up downtown, and it's actually just across the street from it's where on we Ray record. Street. Uh, Ray Street, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the quarter of six in Ray. So we've gone down there. Um, I've I've gone down there twice. It's an interesting spot. I don't think the people who are hanging out there have really figured out what what the, it is. Yeah, what's the demographic that yeah. like it was likes a, to hang it was out a there? Random group of definitely people. Yeah. a really interesting mixed bag. But they yeah. have rooms that you can rent out and do like your own karaoke private, nights in there. Yeah, private rooms. Yeah, um, but that's that was so cool. Yeah, that looks like it's a fun time. I'll have yeah. to try that out sometime. Yeah, so um, that's what's been going on with me. Right on. The, you know, we checked out that new place and my ankle. I've been dealing with that. What about mm-hmm. you? How's your week been? My week's been pretty good. Um, so I'm back off break. So working a lot this week again. Back to the ground. Yep, yep. Training people a lot. I was glad to get back and see some of my clients. A lot of them have been doing well on their own, which is something that I really preach. And, I, you know, if there's any trainers listening, I would encourage you to look at your, your clientele, you have to make them able to do things when they're away from you. You have to empower them to take hold of their own fitness and really charge forward. So my big thing with training, and I think what's made me successful as a trainer, is being kind of more of a coach, not necessarily a life coach, but showing them things they can do on their own mm-hmm. and then telling them, hey, you need to do these things on your own. If you're only working with me for two or three hours a week, 
that might sound like a lot, but that's not a lot. There's way more time for you to mess stuff up. So you need to be persistent about them doing things on their own. And I was really happy to check in with my clients this week and say, you know, hey, how, how did that go while I was gone? Did, were you able to keep after it? And yeah, it was great. So pretty encouraging stuff with them. I have some new clients that I started working with this week, and that was exciting. And uh, a couple of them said they were listening to the show. So that was really cool, too. That is really cool. Mm-hmm. One of them said she really liked it. That's awesome. Yeah, just I, one of them, no. I was really happy. <laughs> just, just one, of course. The others were like, I listened to it. <laughs> yeah, like, but I don't know. So we have, how many clients did you say were listening to it, probably? I, just one of them mentioned that they had listened to it. Oh, okay. So we, mentioned the show so we have one listener. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> just, that's, I'm glad. It, it, it's better than zero. Yeah. But um, no, that's good. Well, Shouts that would out make to four because the three of us listened to it. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I wasn't going to count the three people who had been on the show. But how you doing, Sarah? How's your week been? I'm good. It's been a busy week. A yeah. lot going on at the studio. So I actually manage an Orange Theory Fitness. Nice. And we are in the middle. Free plug. <laughs> yeah. Orange Theory Fitness. Orange Theory, us. look us or, up. We've or, got six convenient locations in the area. Orange Theory, oh Orange, Orange Theory Fitness. We already gave you a free ad. Think about uh, sponsoring the show, please. <laughs> let's, get this, let's get this rolling. Um, but we are in the middle of a eight-week transformation challenge, and today was actually our midpoint. So we were doing weigh-ins and measurements. So... I am not normally at the studio on weekends, it, you know, maybe like one weekend a month or so. Mm-hmm. And I was there today. I was there last week. I will be there next weekend and the following weekend. Awesome. So it's been a little psycho. Welcome to my but, life. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're not <laughs> busy you at go. all. Not, yeah, not. No. I get to sleep in a lot. Mm. Um, I actually do get to sleep in a lot. Jonathan's always every single morning I'm at work and I'm like rolling out of bed. Oh yeah, that's exactly Mm -hmm. how um, I am with my girlfriend. But I work super late, so yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a good Good week. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, can't complain too much. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm glad we could get you on the show. Lots of uh, extra swimming right now in Cincinnati. Oh yeah. (laughs) If anybody's interested in getting some laps, and the river is prime time right now. So I don't. I don't know if climate change played a role, (laughs) but there are. We we're currently recording. Excuse me, from a studio in downtown Cincinnati, and w- there are streets just a few blocks away from us that are underwater. Yeah, streets that are not submerged. supposed to be underwater. Um, like the whole well, downtown park. Yeah, gone. the park right yeah. on the river that we've been running at, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of times, or like right down by the stadiums where people, you know, hang out beforehand we or can, go down We could still fireworks. work out there, but we can't run. We'd no, have to swim. We'd have to swim, which means Sarah would drown. We'd so. have to, or row. Well, or uh, it's called crew, I think. Mm. Yeah, I would just drown. We'll just stay yeah. up this way. We'll just stay a couple blocks up. But Dry if it land. starts, if it starts uh, moving up this way, I'm running for the hills. <laughs> I tell a lot of my clients, like, this is when I'm glad I, I'm a former swimmer. Just not worried about it. It'll be fine. Oh yeah. Also, real quick, we, uh, you know, we're just trying to get this uh, this news network going, and we're w- launching a series of podcasts. And I just recorded my first uh, my the first episode for my second podcast. I'm yep. actually not yep. the host. I'm just kind of uh, running all of it. And, mm-hmm. My dad is actually recording a, a podcast for Southwest Ohio Swimming, and uh, you know it's all about the, kind of the, the the high school swimming there and the in the college and mm-hmm. the, you know mm-hmm. just in the club all all of it really. And um, the, the first episode went really well. We had Mike Leonard on; he's a great expert on the, the area. But mm-hmm. we we mm-hmm. had some technical difficulties, uh, but the episode ultimately recorded, and we're looking to get that launched soon. So that was another thing. I was. What's kinda, that podcast going to be called? Does it have a name? It's called Southwest Ohio Swimming. Awesome. And, uh, Pretty direct. We, mm-hmm, we've already got the artwork. We've got the title. We've, uh, we've recorded the first audio. We're going to be getting that submitted to the iTunes podcast store in app uh, shortly. And, Fantastic. Uh, 
And then we've got some other some other podcasts and uh, stuff going on from there, and I'm excited about it. Looking but, forward to that. I feel yeah. like a lot of coaches are going to be pretty interested in what's happening. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are going to be getting on there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's a great way to to start the – to help, you know, kind of kick launch, kick start the, uh, the network of podcasts. So um, – Sure. This should we start? Uh, should we start topics? Yeah, we were obviously not trying to put off talking about politics at all, um, <laughs> but we do need to talk about it. We are gonna have to get into some stuff. So it was—it's been exactly one week since we talked last. Yep. We did spend the majority of our last episode discussing the Parkland shooting, and uh, unfortunately, we're gonna have to continue talking about that a little bit and get into it. Um, I so well, we need I, to see what resolutions have happened. Exactly. A lot of stuff has happened since we last mm-hmm. talked, and yep. I, in the and there's good and there's bad. I would say about 50% of what we're going to talk about today is good stuff and, uh, you know, positive uh, discussions. And I think about half of what we're going to talk about today is bad stuff. And, crap. And, absolute crap. And yeah. You should be told And so. I, always go, I always go good news first. Okay. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Give me but, some good news, man. Let's talk, I need it. Let's talk about some of the good news. Okay. So, and I know you're not a, a huge fan, Johnny, but Donald Trump had a uh, quite productive <laughs> meeting at the White House about on gun control. He invited... Uh, family members and uh, people of the victims, and uh, people who were also at the at the school for the shooting to the White House, along with family members and, and friends, family and friends of the victims of also the um, the I believe it was the Sandy Hook shooting, and there was another shooting that he invited people who I think it might, maybe it was the Aurora shooting. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he had a few people there, mm-hmm. and they were kind of had a little meeting about how they could um, try and discuss gun control. And they actually had a, a very calm, uh, rational conversation about some of the things that they think we can we can do about this issue. And uh, I think it, people people get sobered up a little bit when they're in the White House. So it was a much calmer, cooler, collected uh, discussion. And it's interesting because you never would. There were basically this week were two major meetings about mm-hmm. gun control, <clears throat> and you never would have thought the meeting hosted by Donald Trump was going to be the meeting that was calm, rational, and collected. Well, because we're so used to his Twitter feed being so radical and Mm -hmm. people, you know, so much fuss about it. And he can be quite um, volatile at Mm -hmm. at moments. So it was interesting to to see that. And the other meeting, we're going to end the, it's a town hall. We're going to get into that later. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it was just kind of, uh, it was funny for me to think that he was the one really, um, really doing that. But one of the. Being political for once. mm -hmm. And it it was interesting. uh, He. There was a, a father, and I don't remember if we mentioned this on the last show or not, but there was a father who was very uh, highly photographed because he was looking around at the, sh- the school shooting for his daughter, who was a victim, hmm. and she w- he was wearing a Trump 2020 shirt, and he was driving around trying to find her, and, and she was one of the, unfortunately, 17 who died, hmm. and he was at the White House, and he was talking to Donald Trump, and he stood up and said, you know, we, we he's... Before we talk about gun control, he wants to focus on how we can make the schools safer. We need to focus on fixing the schools. And then we can kind of uh, get into this uh, heated debate about how we're going to uh, work with gun control. But it was interesting to me that he focused on um, on fixing the schools. But uh, the meeting, I think a lot came from it because Donald Trump tweeted out his uh, his at least immediate ideas on how we should uh, work on gun control. Mm-hmm. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. The, the first things he kind of said he wants to work on – he discussed he wants to ban the um, the bump stocks. He wants to raise the age where you're able to buy a rifle from 18 to 21. 
And he also mentioned that he thinks about roughly 20% of teachers in this country should be armed and uh, in schools, and he wants to keep those uh, the ones armed anonymous. So I'm kind of curious on your guys' thoughts on those. Let's start first. Um, Johnny, what do you think about the aging, the ra- uh, excuse me, the raising of the, the age of, to buy rifles to 21? Sure. I don't think that does, I don't think that solves any problems that we don't already have. You know, okay, this kid was 18 and he was able to go buy guns, and he was a recent somebody who was recently expelled from the school. Maybe this instance in particular could have been avoided because of that, but I don't think that solves the problems for you know. If that's an obstacle for somebody that age in the future who wants to shoot up their school, I feel like it's going to happen anyway, right? We've talked about this before. Making things illegal for a certain age group or for anybody doesn't really make them stop their, doesn't stop their ability from getting a gun, right? It doesn't disable them from acquiring these things. And so I don't really agree with that, especially because you have to look at things like serving the military. You're going to have people under 21 who, oh, okay. You know, because you're in the military, now you get a gun. Well, just because you're in the, in the military doesn't mean you're any, well, I don't know if that's fair to say. If you're less prone to uh, violence, so do, right? Do because you, you're in a military service. Do you or do you not support the proposal to raise the age to 21 where you can purchase a rifle? That's tough for me to say. Mm-hmm. And it's um, not necessarily 100% black and white. There's yeah. some gray. So, but I'm just, I'm trying to... I'm, you know, I'm trying to push you, see if we can get an answer. I would say no because I don't think it's a valuable, I don't think it's a solid solution. That's where I kind of... I think there are other things that we could do that would be better. Yeah. And you kind of have to pick your battles in politics. And if you're going to ask them to give you that, well, okay, they've given you that. Now you're going to have to give them something. I think there are better things you could push for than that answer. My big whole, my whole thing with it is, well, first off, how are you going to tell an 18-year-old man or woman that they are going to go overseas, protect our country, defend our country, represent mm-hmm. our country abroad with automatic weapons, more pe- weapons more powerful than what can be actually purchased legally on the U.S. market. But then when they come back here after serving three tours in Iraq and they're 20, that they cannot purchase a lower grade weapon than what they've been using to defend our country for the last right. three, two, through two, three years. How are you going to, I don't think it's, I don't think it's okay. My second part of that is um, are they, I think if you're an adult, if you're 18, you should be allowed, if you're, if you're 18 and that's what we're saying is where the threshold is for adulthood, why would an adult not be allowed to buy a, a gun? Like mm-hmm. if you're actually an adult, if you want to, if you, you know, if you want to talk about raising the age of what it means to be an adult in this country, we can get into that. Um, but right now I think if we're going to say 18 is the, is the, the threshold for adulthood, why are we not allowing people to, to, I mean, we are, and I don't think we should change the fact that you're allowed to buy a rifle at that age. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting age to pick. I mean, for drinking, for gun laws, right? What is 18 really? Right. You know, I also think it is. What biological markers happen at 18 that make you all of a sudden more responsible? Or 21. And I think. The only thing I've actually heard is that your brain is fully developed when you're 25. Right. And it obviously, and that's an average, it varies by person. Right, right, right. But I think it is uh, interesting to point out that, you know, why, and I don't think, and you mentioned the drinking age, and Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think if you're allowed to, to buy a gun, if you're allowed to serve for your country, die for your country at 18, but you can't go to a bar when you come home for a couple months Mm -hmm. from Iraq and buy a beer, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. I believe 
either we need to lower the drinking age to 18, or if you want to have the other discussion, we can raise the mm-hmm. serving and the uh, age of a, a voting and adulthood and uh, buying a weapon to 21. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the ages need to be universal as far as what we're considering adult or not. Uh, Sarah, do you have any, any thoughts on what we're talking about? Um, I mean, I definitely, I personally think that at the age of 18, you're pretty, pretty young still. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we were all idiots when we were 18. You know, I was, I would have been a sophomore in college because I went a little early, but I mean, at the end of the day, and I'm, I was a little more mature than some, but like, I look at my brothers, I mean, at the age of 18 years basically still 15 You're like there's really <laughs> there's no difference except now you can smoke cigarettes and you can drive a car i know i know men who are 35 and are still basically 15 right. so, so and enough. the fact that and i watched many of my friends and people that we went to school with who did go to serve the country as soon as they turned 18 mm. and you're you're shipping a baby off to fight for your country but they're not so, a baby when they return no well, not a, not, not even at a little all. bit but so should they should probably be allowed to still purchase a lower grade weapon than what they were using constantly. They never have that not on them when they're over there. Now they're coming back and we can't. We're saying they can't buy that gun. So well, like for a driver's license, you have to take a special program and then you can get your license sooner, or you right. can wait until you're 18 and then you can just take the test. Maybe that's an approach that would be viable for guns. Is if you're younger, you have to take a course, some kind of training program. Yeah, I don't which, have any, which, any, I don't have any qualms with that. Right, which hopefully would uh, include some kind of evaluation yeah. of the person themselves. Some and kind their of psychological attention. evaluation. Uh, Answer these questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Written like, questions. Yeah, what's the intent? What's the purpose? Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think that would be a much more viable so option. It, for it, it's funny to me also because we talk about raising the age. We when we raised the drinking age to 21, we did it because we wanted to result in more responsible drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that's not what happened. What happened was people will have to wait even longer before they can legally drink. So it's even more of like a oh my god, I finally get to do yeah, this. Yeah, makes it makes an occasion. So now exactly, so now I it's, a, do a, it's bunch a big of it. thing. So it, <laughs> I think it doesn't really do what they're saying it's going to do. And now when people get to college and they're twenty one, they go hog wild, they go crazy because it's finally time to to. It's almost like a coming of age thing as for alcohol because it's made into such a big thing. But you would and do it that doesn't at any help. Age. It doesn't help. Whether it's right. 18, 21, 25, it's well, still going it to be... be interesting but to I think it. the later you put it off, the more of a pedestal you put it up on. Okay, and let's be realistic. What person under the age of 21 hasn't had a drink? There are people, but I'm just saying it's not... My whole point is raising the age to 21 for alcohol didn't accomplish what they were hoping it would. I'm not necessarily sure raising the age for gun buying, gun purchasing to 21 would accomplish what they are looking for. I'd like to see data on that. Like what? What's the rate of uh, DUIs, car crashes, deaths because of we DUI? Know, I don't have specific deaths numbers. Deaths from drinking. I don't have specific numbers, but it hasn't helped with anything. Right. Well, yeah, I feel like naturally that's just going to go up as the population increases. Um, but yeah, that'd be interesting to see. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I would like to see some data on that. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> one of the other things. Trump's proposed was arming 20% of teachers. Um, these would be teachers who, these teachers would be anonymous. No one at the school besides like high up administrators would know who was armed. No teachers would be forced to, to, to carry. And this would be only teachers who were comfortable with it and who had gone through extensive training. How do you, I want opinions from both of you. How do you guys feel about uh, arming 20% of teachers? And uh, yeah, what do you think about that? Sarah, what do you think? I actually like this idea. 
I do, just because I grew up in a household where my dad was a cop, and, you know, he was completely trained and had a gun on him at all times. I've, you know, shot his gun. I've, you know, seen his gun handled. And at this point now, even my brother carries. He mm. has it on him at all times. Um, not that it doesn't give me reservation every now and then, especially if we're at, like, a giant family gathering and, you know, there's 50 of us at a family reunion and he had his gun and I made him go lock it in his car at night because you just never know. Mm -hmm. But as long as these teachers can safely have a gun on them without the students knowing that you're the one who does have it and making sure that you have been through extensive training and they're comfortable with it and willing to put themselves sort of in that position to make sure that their students, their innocent children aren't being harmed, I think that that could be a potential solution to a problem. Yeah, it makes me really... It, the Proposing that gives me questions. One, you have to make sure that these people are stable, but the question guns in an environment does invite more opportunity for gun use, just in general. Kind of like how we talked about last episode about providing an opportunity, right? You're just making it more available as a thing that might happen. Not to say that teachers are going to be shooting up the place, but it does invite that option if you're allowing concealed carries all the time. That does also offer the option of having people able to defend. At the same time, just because 20% of them are armed, I'm curious as to how many of them would actually be putting their lives forward, you know, putting it on the line to defend the students. You know, it's, Hogwarts is a great fairy tale where all the teachers come together to defend, right? But that's not to say that that's what would actually happen in the case of a shooter. You know, we saw last week in that instance where paid security officers waited outside. And, you know, everybody's calling them cowards. And don't get me wrong, they should have done their job. But I've not been in that scenario, and I do not know if I would have been brave enough to go in there either. And I think, you know... Hopefully, you know, if you've got 20% of them armed and ready, hopefully a couple of them are ready to run to the gunshots, but I think that's a very high expectation, and I don't think you can actually tell yourself what, I don't think you could even know within yourself what you would do in that instance until it happens. And so, you know, is it a good idea or not? I don't know. It, it invites more opportunities for them to be the problem rather than an instance where we don't know if they could be the solution. Okay. So, uh, personally, where I fall on the issue is I think I don't have a problem necessarily with arming teachers. I don't think it's the actually the right way to go about it. I think armed guards is a better option. And I think that there, I, I was, you know, talking with Sarah about this earlier. Sure. I think there's a lot of, uh, veterans who have come back and are, don't have jobs and um, mm -hmm. who are highly trained, who would be great for this position, who would be great for doing this. And a lot of them, of course, you don't, you want to make sure you're not, you don't have someone who's, you know, tragically suffering from PTSD and they're not capable of doing this. Yeah. But if you're someone who's completely mentally capable, you know, qualified and they're in a position where they're, they're fine, but they just are not, you know, wanting to go back to serve another tour. This could be a perfect person to do this. Yeah. I think. I think that's a great option. It, it would be a better option even than teachers because that way the teachers don't have to worry about this. They know they have highly trained people right. there. They're Somebody not with military like, training. Yeah. Um, who's heard gunshots before, right? I think that's and, hey, gunshots it, that are not are not their own. Let me put it that way. Right. I and think it, that's yeah, a and, big and thing. Exactly. They're they're <laughs> they're ready for this, and a big part of it, I think, also is that you have to understand that 
I mean, I understand teachers not wanting to do it. Yeah, I and spoke to a teacher if, this morning who said she will not carry. I'm like, okay, you know, I understand And that's that. fine. And no one's trying to say yeah, all teachers that, have to yeah, do Yeah, that this. shouldn't be forced upon anybody. I mean, look at Prissy. I would never expect her to you yeah. know, have a gun at school. So yeah. Prissy's kind of like my older sister. Okay. She teaches second grade at a school. And I would never, you know, think that she would, A, want to do that, B, be comfortable, you know, having yeah. to potentially take someone's life. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm sure that she would do everything she can to protect her students. But, but it I mean, that, it's a lot to ask of someone, life. right? That's, it's a lot yeah. to ask of someone if that's not something that they have been trained to do. Right. Yep. I agree. And I think that that's part of the issue with like the security guard who was outside is, you know, what was this person's training? What was their background? You know, if they've never actually been in a scenario where they've had to pull their gun before, hmm. you know, it's kind of hard to expect somebody in this situation to jump in. I mean, it was coward, like very cowardly, mm-hmm. like he should have, you know, tried to save some people, but you know, I look at myself, what if I had, you know, gone out and gotten some kind of security detail being like, oh yeah, no problem. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then I'm put in that situation. I don't know if I would have gone in. I love the idea of utilizing veterans. I think that would be an excellent use of tax dollars to employ people who might have trouble finding a job otherwise mm-hmm. and using them to defend our children. Absolutely fantastic. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Um, so something else Donald Trump proposed there was the banning of all bump stocks. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a bump stock is a small little device that you can uh, basically attach to a, a semi-automatic gun. And the, the device uses the physics of the firing of a semi-automatic gun mm-hmm. to basically bounce the gun off of your shoulder and pushes the trigger back into your finger so it almost acts as an automatic weapon. Yeah. Um, Trump has proposed that we, we make these completely illegal. And it, the timing's kind of fishy to me. We they discussed making bump stocks illegal back during the the Vegas shooting, which would have been had, well, he which had, would have been more had, appropriate. At didn't that. he customize those like well, by himself? He didn't buy him the guns that way, right? No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. He so in the Vegas shooting a few months back, he used bump stocks to yeah. basically automate automa- automate his uh, mm-hmm. his semi-automatic gun. And uh, so it's odd to me that they, because they talked about banning those back then, but they never actually, you know, Trump and the GOP never made, they never actually took action. They never made the bump stock illegal. Uh, And now after this shooting, they're saying, let's make this illegal, but a bump stock was not used in this shooting. So it's a little sketchy to me, the timing. They're not, they're not, they're not completely caught up on mass shooting incidents. And I do have to, and, and I think bringing up, now that we've brought up the bump stock and the Vegas shooting, I do yeah. have to, to mention something from last week. Last week I said, we mentioned the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting. Yeah. And I actually said that that was the, the biggest mass shooting in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. It's, actually the, it's actually the Las Vegas shooting. Um, 59 people, mm-hmm. including the perpetrator, died, and he used those bump stocks. So, yeah. um, so it is uh, interesting that they're just now discussing banning those bump stocks. So I'm kind of curious... Um, Sarah and Johnny, where you fall on this? How do you, you know, are you guys pro banning the bump the bump stocks? I don't think there's a point with this. Uh, you can make those if you want to. Two springs and a piece of plastic. It's not that. I don't think it's that hard. It's not a sophisticated piece of equipment. You can make that yourself if you wanted to. So you don't think the bump stock is actually a really issue, a really big issue? No, I don't think that's any issue. I, it's something to make people happy. Like, oh, we're banning something. Like, mm-hmm. Come on. Look at the real issue. It's politics. Yeah. Yeah. You give a little. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're seemingly give a little, but, you know, it just seems like a ploy, a little pawn to puzzle. 
Okay. I don't think it's very valuable at all. So I'm not opposed to banning it, but I, I do think we can do it, and I don't think, like you said, it won't make that big of a difference, but I don't have any problems banning it. And then he also mentioned briefly expanding background checks. I have no problem expanding background checks. Excuse me, but the only way you can really expand background checks right now is we already do it through private sales. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, we already have federal back to background checks for any federally licensed arms dealer. If you go to a, a federally licensed uh, gun store, yep. they do they run background checks. Everyone mentions expanding background checks. The only way you're going to do it is this, if you require, if I buy a gun from a store, and then for let's say I want to sell to you, Johnny, mm-hmm. they would do a background check on you, which is a private sale. That's really the only major way you can... Um, expand the background checks and that kind of touches on the gun chill loophole that we mentioned last week uh, curious are you how do you feel about that personally yeah. not a big deal because I would pass a background check if I wouldn't pass a background check and I wanted to own a gun that makes me curious as to what the motives are I feel like there are communities that would be much more impacted by that and I don't necessarily know if it would be in a good or bad way if I needed a gun to defend myself in a neighborhood that is you know, pretty bad. I just moved out of Evanston where, uh, three weeks back, my, one of my roommates was held up at gunpoint. You know, is that an instance where you want to have a gun? Maybe, but I know that that's a really rough neighborhood, um, criminally. And so there might be people who need to defend themselves there who wouldn't pass a background check and wouldn't be able to acquire a gun. Is that a good or a bad thing? Because maybe the other people around there wouldn't be able to pass the check either. I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't, have a, I don't have a clear answer as to whether or not I like that. I would say overall, in my instance, I'm totally comfortable with that because I can still buy a gun because I pass a background check. But, you know, again, we're talking about instances where people need to be able to defend themselves, and that sounds like a real instance. But at the same time, it does seem to promote violence. You know, if two people have a gun and there's a gunfight, maybe a person should have just been robbed and then nobody dies. Yeah, I think that's a hard moral case to argue. People don't want to talk about this. They talk about a lot of them call it Congress. They call it Marco Rubio is the senator from the from Florida. They call him out a lot. They're calling a lot. uh, You know, a lot of cases are calling out uh, federal. Mm -hmm. They're calling out people in in Washington, D.C. A lot of these changes, a lot of these uh, gun control laws that they want passed. A lot of it, it would happen a lot quicker and a lot more effectively and would have a lot more. Wait, if they pass these legis- this legislation at the state level, mm-hmm. but people aren't talking about that. They're not talking about uh, that as much. They're kind of focusing on the people in D.C. So I just think people need to to be aware of that. My one of my other big things. So those that's what Trump proposed. One mm-hmm. of the big th- there's a couple things that I want to propose. Uh, my big thing is hardening soft targets. I'll oftentimes think about it at a home. You have a home invader. What do they do when they, if they look at a house and they think it's going to be harder to rob? They oftentimes go to a, a you know a, a lesser protected house. Okay. It's the same thing with schools. It's the same thing with banks. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with any kind of institutions. We have to harden our look soft for easy targets. Exactly. We have to harden our soft targets. Uh, ben Shapiro on his show even mentioned where he went to a Jewish um, day school when he was younger. Uh, some guy pulled up outside, saw multiple guards. They thought the guards were armed. Unfortunately, they thought that, and the guards were not armed. And then he went down the street a couple miles to a, um, I can't remember what it was now, it was some other kind of Jewish building, and mm. he shot the place up and killed a few people. And I think hardening soft targets is extremely important. 
We need to, one of the things I think is important, you have at a lot of hospitals, if there's an active shooter, they press a button, they go into code red, certain parts of the building are cut off from other parts yeah, of the building. Yeah, it all these, locks down. These whole lockdown, these fail-safe procedures, I think those are really important. Um, I think... And procedures for kids are also in place, right? Yes. I mean, so they, I've heard they policies have, of when there's an active shooter in a school... The, the school children are asked to pile their books up at the door so that the window is covered and then hide in a corner so that nobody can be seen. And that's a pretty standard lockdown procedure. Sarah actually is thinking of, about this other school that she was, was doing some research on for an article she might be writing. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah. Well, first I want to say we used to do those lockdown practices when I was in school, like hmm. in Madeira, when I was in elementary school, we would actually have the Madeira police come in and they would bring the police dogs through the hallway and kind of pretend like there was, you know, mm-hmm. someone Searching. and you had to stay quiet. You had to get in the corner. Um, and it's interesting because I don't obviously know if they still practice these types of lockdown procedures, but the school, it's actually in Shelbyville, Indiana. Um, it has this system where every classroom has a red line. And just kind of like what I mentioned, if something were to happen, the students know to get behind this red line. And that is to a help make sure that if there is, you know, an active shooter or someone there would hurt people, they can't actually see you, and no bullet that would, you know, be shot through the glass mm-hmm. would be able to get to the. So students. the red line was like the line of sight into the room. Yes. Wow. That's um, cool. And so on top of that, every teacher has a panic button that hangs around their neck. So at any time, like if a gun is pulled out, they push this, and it goes into immediate lockdown, as well as it is directly connected to the local police department, Hmm. which is 10 miles down the road, and they have access to the school cameras as well. So if there is an active shooter walking through the hallway, not only can they lock lock down these doors, not only can the teachers actually signal if they are okay in the room, Mm -hmm. or if, you know, panic, they can see someone, they have access to uh, see these, like, in the camera and track them and where they are in the school building, as well as let off sort of, like, smoke grenades, basically to obviously try and get this active shooter to Mm. basically, I guess, be, I don't know, confused in a daze, Mm -hmm. not be able to see, not be able to shoot. And you said that's in specific areas that are kind of locked down, they kind of spray stuff out I think it's close to, like, the entrance and exits. So even if you happen to see someone in a parking lot of the school about to walk in the door, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can get the students on lockdown quick enough, as soon as they walk in, you hit them with the smoke detector or the smoke whatever bombs. Yeah. You know, hopefully that person turns around and police have been notified. Mm, yeah. They have images of this person. And don't the, They're gonna get doesn't the local as... police department have uh, cameras that are dir- yeah, directly direct connected? Access. So, like, mm-hmm. the person, when there's a call, they have, like, the person at the police department can be viewing the shooter. And Yeah. And Sarah and I are actually thinking about taking a trip up there to maybe interview a couple people, see what mm-hmm. it looks like. But, so. Sounds like a well-defended school. Yeah. So, we've been talking about some of the good things that have come about, some, some positive ideas. The best thing that I've seen all week as far as like a potential solution for this problem. Uh, the article is written by David French over at National Review. And uh, he talks all about gun violence restraining orders. And I'm going to read a little uh, section from his article kind of describing his major policy. Okay. So broadly speaking, the gun violence restraining order would uh, permit a spouse, parent, sibling, or person living with a troubled in- individual to petition a court for an order enabling law enforcement to temporarily take the individual's guns rights away. So he laid out a couple of major points that should be stipulated and have to be a part of this for it to be to work effectively and to protect everyone's rights. One, it should limit those who have standing to seek the order to a narrowly defined class of people, close relatives, those living with the respondent. 
It should require petitioners to come forward with clear, convincing, admissible evidence that the respondent is a significant danger to himself or others. Three, it should grant the respondent an opportunity con to contest the claims against themselves. Four, in the event of an emergency, ex parte order, an order granted before the president can contest the claims, or sorry, an order granted before the respondent can contest the claims. A full hearing should be scheduled quickly, preferably within 72 hours. And five, the order should lapse after a defined period of time unless petitioners can come forward with clear and convincing evidence that it should remain in place. So basically, a lot of these incidents, someone close to the shooter was very worried about the person and they wanted to go, they went to the police, they went to the FBI, they talked to people mm -hmm. and nothing really happened. This is basically saying if someone close to the person goes to them and says, hey, I'm really worried about this person, can we suspend their gun rights for 72 hours? And then basically there's a small court procedure basically determining whether this person is okay to remain in possession of these guns or not. Can I sidebar? I've yeah. just got an interesting thought and I want to ask a question. Mm -hmm. Would somebody have had to break the law in order to stop this person from the, to stop this person from shooting the school? No. No? It this person could have been stopped legally. Yeah, by the FBI. Without violating, you know, any kind of privacy law mm -hmm. or, you know, any of their rights. This person could have been stopped. The FBI or the local authorities could have, could have stopped this person. Mm -hmm. And, but this is... But the, so the, the house was visited, so, so what, like, 39 times? But mm -hmm. the sheriff's department figured that there was no law being broken and so weapons couldn't be confiscated. You know, how right. could they how could they have intervened without breaking the law? Obviously, it seems like a huge overstep now, but what it was the solution there? What I, was the legal way to stop him? I think if you looked at all of the information that was given to the authorities, you could have confiscated their guns based on the, the information. Uh, and I, think, I would have arrested him on the threat of shooting a school. And exactly. That sounds crazy. That, that, or at least you could have <laughs> I don't had, know if you can do that or, or not. Or at least based on that, you could have had him committed for at least 72 hours psychiatric review. And if you had right. done that, he would have come not up. background. He would have been flagged yeah. on a background check as having been committed. Right. And they wouldn't have sold him a gun. But my whole point with this, what I was just reading, is that yeah. this is the solution. This is what I think is the solution to stopping these mass shootings. Oftentimes, people who are close to the person feel like they are extremely worried about the person. Mm -hmm. They want to stop them. They feel like this person should not have their guns and they don't have a way to do this. And I think this is a great way, this restraining order, because it basically provides the per the people who are worried to present a case why I think this person should not have mm -hmm. rights to their guns anymore. Yep. And it gives the person who owns the guns a, a chance to defend their case, yeah. why they should be able to keep them. I'm very wary against giving the government ability to confiscate or do things to you. But even saying that, I do like the policy. I like the way it's presented and the wording of it. Yeah. You, know? you have to be careful um, to make sure there's not too much overreaching power by the government. To, right. To but the way that things. it's written about, you know, you have to be close and, you know, prove a relationship mm -hmm. to the person. I think that eliminates a lot of the possibility of people just doing this for fun. And you have to, and you have to really do... You, because you can mess with you, people. Exactly. And you really do have to prove that the person is a threat or, yeah. or is yep. slightly unstable and not... They sh you have to prove that the person shouldn't have their yeah. guns. Like and the person have, has a chance to You have themselves. to be wanting to do some good legwork in order to make this happen. And you yeah. wouldn't really do that unless you were pretty worried... So, or you like really hated the person wanted to mess with. I think that's important. <laughs> but yeah. hopefully that won't happen as much. I that's the that's the only other part of that that might worry me is if there were too many gagged suggestions or applications to take somebody's guns that would kind of clog up the processes to make this be able to happen efficiently and quickly to stop an instance like this. This would like if this was an operation of the government, it would have to run very efficiently. Right. 
Uh, I think another big problem is underfunding to psychiatric hospitals. Uh, one tenth, one tenth of the number of people that were in psychiatric hospitals or are now in psychiatric hospitals. We don't have, uh, you know, we haven't improved our numbers of uh, people who need uh, institutionalization and mm-hmm. and uh, observation and things like that by that much. Yeah, underfunding has made it so people cannot be given the help they need. Like I said, one only one out of ten people who used to be in psychiatric hospitals are still there. It's because we're not funding them. A lot of these places are not open anymore. The Florida there's a Florida psychiatric hospital that evaluated the Parkland shooter, but they did not hold him for 72 hours. And I do have to wonder if they didn't hold him for 72 hours, which would have flagged him on a background check. Yeah, I have to wonder if they didn't hold him because they didn't have the funding to give him meals for 72 hours, to bathe him for 72 hours, to give him a bed for 72 hours. I think that's a big problem. Um, another thing people have been talking about again this week is the banning of AR-15s. Yep. Uh, all rifles, not just automatic wi- semi-automatic rifles, account for 3% of all deaths by guns in this country. And uh, that's all rifles, not just semi-automatic rifles. All rifles account for about 3% of the deaths, and all rifles in this country account for about 70% of all the guns. Mm-hmm. So if 70% of the guns are accounting for... Three percent of the deaths. I don't know why we're saying those seventy percent of those guns need to be removed. And also, to be fair, mm-hmm. they do look pretty scary. They do look scary. <laughs> and a lot of people will say, "Yeah, well, a lot of the gun deaths in this country are not, uh, you know, a lot of okay, sure, a lot of the gun deaths are not committed by rifles. Only three percent are. A lot of the right, rest well, are, are Are those three percent most of the most sh- sh- uh, well, mass shootings? That's what they'll say. So right. a lot of the guns aren't committing. A lot of the lot of rifles are committing the, the murders, but. Most of the, the mass, mass, mass shootings, shootings do are happen committed by, by yeah, those guns. Yeah, well, the point. mass shootings are the ones that get the most attention. That's true. Like when you have, you know, tons of guns that are just, you know, maybe gang violence or, you know, a random robbery or something where, you know, maybe one or two people mm-hmm. unfortunately do die from it. But that's not what's going on national mm-hmm. news because that one person, you know, it's kind of it's mean to say, but they don't bigger, really care. It's a bigger It's right, not going to get right. the news ratings. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, we well, talked about this in our first episode about mm. there are some things that need to be reported that mm-hmm. the media is just silent about. It's either not a hot topic or it's not popular to talk about. Yeah, there's tons of other deaths that sh- do need... I mean, there's so many problems, right? There's tons of other things that need solving in the United States and, right now. And it's funny because like, the big point is a lot of... Okay, but a lot of the mass shootings, I, auto, semi-automatic rifles are used. The mm. third largest shooting, the third biggest mass shooting of all time was Virginia Tech. It was yeah, a college campus. I remember I, that. I actually went on a recruiting trip there. I, my ex at the time, she lived in that area for a while. Her mom taught there. She, was, she had just left the university after the shooting. Third biggest shooting in U.S. history. The guy used only handguns. handguns. He murdered 33 people. This is the, the largest shooting um, of all time. Obviously not trying to compare them. 33. Largest at the time, right? It was the largest at the time. Since then, the Orlando nightclub passed yeah. it, and then the Vegas shooting passed it. Yep. I'm not trying to compare them. Almost, I, I think, you know, the, I'm not doing math, but I think the, the almost, almost double the number of people died at Virginia Tech than died in the Parkland shooting. I'm obviously not yeah, trying to compare it did, them. Well, it didn't require an AR. And I'm not, that's, that's what the I'm point, saying. right? If you, def, if you ban all guns, like, who's saying that guy doesn't go in there with two Four, two handguns in his hands, yeah. a couple in his waistband, and he's he's going at he's it. He's doing I the mean, same thing. 33 people uh, were, were, were killed there, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily stop it. Another thing I want to point out, twenty over the last 20 years, um, gun ownership, gun circulation in this country has gone drastically up over the last 20 years. A lot more guns owned over the last 20 years. Yep. 
violent crimes committed with a gun gone drastically down over the last 20 years. I think it's hard to make the argument that gun ownership results in deaths. And also, we're always called the this never happens in major industrialized countries. Um, you know, it's only the U.S. Yeah. If you look at murders by guns per capita, the U.S. ranks 11th in the world. So stop acting. People need to stop acting like this is just. In America, just us. just the American issue, yeah. just a U.S. Uh, country issue. We just love to publicize our dirty laundry. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you guys, which is fair, because we need to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. We need to protect kids. We need to make schools safe. I don't disagree with that. So have you guys seen anything about this uh, whole children's movement? Are the, are kids having something to say? All the teens say? that are like going out and mm-hmm. protesting. Yeah, yeah, I definitely saw this on Facebook. So there's kind of a grassroots uh, movement of kids. Um, they even had the they had they had a march for their lives, and it actually was today. Uh, it was earlier today, and they marched for their lives, and um, they did it all around the country. I'm not really sure why they called it a march for their lives. No one is saying that their lives should not be. Should not be kept. No one is saying that their lives are not important. Um, I think in the my big problem with with the march is that no none of them you know the people in charge the people who are talking for this movement they're not they're not saying they're not giving any policy solutions. They're not saying what they think needs to be done to fix this issue, and and that's my big problem with it. I mean, Sarah, do you have any thoughts on this? I have a lot of thoughts. I want to, I'm kind of curious what you're thinking. I really have nothing. I know nothing of it except for one post that I saw on Facebook. Okay. Well, for, first off, my big thing is just because, and you know, all these children, they went through a horrible tragedy. But just because you go through a, a horrible tragedy like this, just because you go through a mass shooting, doesn't actually mean that you uh, are informed. It doesn't mean you're an expert on gun issues. It doesn't mean that you know necessarily even what you're talking about. Just because you went through a tragedy doesn't mean you know better on gun policy than someone who is, say, let's say, has been studying this issue for their entire lives. And they're actually getting out there, and, and, and CNN is specifically about it, this. They're constantly putting them on TV. They're constantly talking about, about this. And uh, I just, I'm not necessarily sure that children should be making our gun policy. Um, have they actually said how old these people are that are like are they high school is it from the high school or is this just anyone out there voicing their opinion uh, they're the people who i'm talking about they're all students of the school they're all either 18 or, or younger uh they were all there and um i, I don't know like they're they're leading this uh they're leading this protest, and I just don't know that it's uh, that well thought out. I think it's a natural reaction. I think they should be able to have an emotional reaction and to ask for help. I have no problem with that. They may be misguided in asking for bans and leading it in that direction, but I think it is absolutely necessary for them to have that emotional reaction, to have that outlet. And after a tragedy, anybody who's affected by a tra- tragedy is naturally going to be attracted and interested in pursuing solutions. My, now, my, my biggest problem is that they're not actually putting any – they just say, we want gun control, we want gun control. They're not putting anything forward. And just because they march and say, we need to do something, yeah. doesn't mean that the people in Washington are going to do anything. And So, that, so their, message, their message might be completely misguided. I'm not saying that it's not. But I'm saying their ability to get out there and say, like, hey, 
I felt vulnerable, there's nothing I could do. They're right. And they have every right to say so. Right. We do need to be doing something differently for them. You know, they might have people around them in their community that are saying, hey, you need to say this, this is the solution. And it's not, you should not blame the kids for saying that because they don't know any better, right? They're just little kids. And you know, you can say, hey, they're just stupid little kids. You're not allowed to say this. Well, okay, yeah, they are. And they're being told to say these things and you can't really blame them, but you do have to address the adults behind the issue who are pushing these things to find the, the correct solution, right? Show them the logic, show them the data, show them the options that we have and communicate between the two groups. We cannot bastardize the two groups and you know say you're too radical on this one and I'm too radical this way. There has to be that meeting in the middle to find good solutions. Well, maybe what they addressed and you know maybe what they put forward is a little bit more radical than what we need. But they don't know that, and they don't know any better. They're not really putting anything forward, though. They're just saying ban guns? Yeah. and uh, I'd say that's but at radical. The end of the day, that's too much. It, it is at too much. At the end of the day, I think that they have every right to voice that opinion. Of course. they. I mean, that there's a, they have free speech. Yeah, they they're do. allowed to they say do. whatever they want. But, but if they're not saying anything constructive, they're not saying anything that's actually good. And we've laid out some policies that mm -hmm. I think could actually help earlier on the show, previously on the show. And I think they're not really they're not engaging in that level. Right. That, so we as adults have to realize that, okay? We hear you. you, that's not good advice what you're putting forward, but we do hear you. And I understand your emotional reaction, this was tragic and I'm so sorry that we didn't defend you when we should have been able to, but let us figure it out, right? And I think that's where we're going next. But isn't that basically the main purpose of doing this? That's what a peaceful protest is. They just want to be heard. They mm -hmm. want to know that they are getting this attention, they're getting national attention, that yeah. even if the government's not listening to what they're saying, they still hear them. Right. They still right. know that right. these kids feel terrorized and so, hurt. Right. They went to a place that they're supposed to be learning and supposed to feel safe, and they had 17 of their friends die. It is a big... They it, have every right it's to a voice that. It's a big change. We've never seen anything like this where... Uh, high school students have started something like this where it's got national attention. I think social media is a big part of it. They are able to organize. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and th they actually have, they think they have a common goal, but I don't know that they really do because they haven't said what they actually want. But they've been organized and they've been able to get national attention from it. My biggest problem with it is I feel like CNN, and it's mainly CNN, but it's a couple other liberal media outlets, but it's mainly CNN is almost taking advantage of these these kids and they're using these kids to forward their agenda. And I think CNN and, the, and some of the liberal media outlets have realized, okay, our message is that guns are bad and guns need to be gotten rid of. This is a bad message. It's not received well by the American people. How do we need to switch this up? We need to get the most sympathetic people possible to be our new messenger for our, for our agenda, and we need to use them to push our agenda, and that's what they're doing. And just because these kids went through a tragedy or are super sympathetic doesn't mean they know what they're talking about, and it doesn't mean what CNN is doing is right, because I have a lot of issues with it. It is disgusting, but brilliant marketing. Yeah. Because they are getting noticed, they're getting talked about, and even people that you know don't agree with banning guns, they're looking at it going, oh my God, but look at these kids. But CN these kids want this. We should do but that. And CNN has gone so far in on this. People on CNN are actually saying, we need to lower the voting age to 16 because these people need a voice. These children need a voice. I have a big problem with it. I don't think they should be voting. I don't think they are ready to make that kind of decision. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> I was not concerned about politics when I was 16. No. I was concerned about 
sexual things. <laughs> gonna, I was trying to get laid, right? I was in high school. I was I trying to do well in sports. Yeah, fine. like, come on. Four Locos were back then. Like, it was a hot mess. It was a good time. I'm pretty sure life. I saw a 16 year old eat a Tide Pod a couple months ago. Like, let's let's <laughs> chill out on 16 year olds like, trying to vote. We should for right? sure. Sounds like if a good anything, plan. <laughs> yeah, I'm very particular about who should be able to vote. I think you need to be very politically inclined and be in the know because, like we just said, people are brilliant at marketing. There are people who are way smarter than me who are very subtling, affecting my marketing decisions, and people who are less aware of that. I mean, as a psych major. Uh, marketing major, right? Creative writing major, but oh, somehow sorry. landed in marketing. And <laughs> so I love you it. knew marketing now. <laughs> I do. And then another psych major, right? And you know, going to graduate school for psych, we understand what the processes are about making people think a certain way. And you can do that very subtly, and it's very dangerous to let uneducated people make those decisions. A lot of people say that's why Trump won in the first place, was because he took advantage of some of those people who might have been less educated and didn't understand exactly what the messages were, you know, what's happening. But, you know, saying that mass media is not manipulated or not able to be manipulated, I think is very naive. And you have to be careful of that, especially with younger people who might not understand that yet. I mean, you want to say 16-year-olds can, can vote. All right, are we going to say you're also allowed to... Are you also allowed to enlist in the military at 16? Are you also going to be charged as an adult for crimes at 16? Either these people are adults at 18 or they're adults at 16. You can't have it both ways. We need to make these decisions based off that. Right. And do we want to have responsibility on people who are younger? Well, you better damn well be able to uh, accept responsibility when you're older, right? It's funny because I bring that up in in the the CNN, the liberal media, they only think the adult, the 16 year old should be considered adults when they're going along with their agenda. And if they're, if it's something not related to something they're trying to push, then they're not adults. They're they're just just children. children. They they didn't know what they were doing. They are children. We need to stop rushing it. Yeah. Just take your time, be a kid, go outside, play. Like, God, I miss the days of just using my dad's truck as our safety base and playing capture the flag Mm -hmm. like what the heck good times (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think we um the cnn town hall though is what really got me this week Mm -hmm. Uh, it really was a uh, town hall designed to kind of in my opinion make those who are pro second amendment look bad even i would go as far to say to make those people who are pro second amendment amendment look like they don't care about Dying children, and it's really disgusting. I'm trying to paint an evil image around that. Yeah, so Marco Rubio was there. He's this one of the two senators for the uh, for the state of Florida. The spokesperson for the NRA was there, Dana Bash, uh, and and uh, I think there was a and uh, there was a Democratic uh, senator. I would bring congressman that was there. I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the, his name on the top of my head. And then the sheriff from the uh, county was also there. And they really, it was, I mean, it took place in a liberal area. It was, you know, the, this, this area went highly for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I would have loved if the first responders were there. Yeah. They, um, well, the sheriff was, he was, you know, in charge of the first responders. They, he they did they, a really good job of not allowing any blame on himself. Mm-hmm. So the crowd was all, yeah, exactly. The crowd <laughs> and the crowd was all people who were families of the people involved. And, uh, the, the moderator, Jake Tapper for CNN was not good. And they, honestly, the kids that inter- got up there and grilled Rubio, a lot of them said some things that I think were pretty immoral and pretty uh, unfair to, to Marco Rubio. Uh, like, I, I just kind of go into some of the things that they said. I want to try and get through this as pretty quickly because we're running, 
running, running low on time. time. Yep. Uh, one student said of Rubio, it's hard when he was talking to him on stage about gun control. It's hard to look at you and not see, not be looking down the barrel of the gun of the shooter. Basically, accusing Marco Rubio of being a murderer and being responsible for the deaths. Um, I mean, Marco Rubio did not go into that school. Marco Rubio didn't kill people. Um, one Dana Bash was speaking. The, the speaker for the NRA was speaking at one point, and one person from the crowd called out, that calling her a murderer. I mean, no member of the NRA has ever been involved in a mass shooting. I'm not sure why you're accused calling the spokesperson for the NRA a, a murderer. Um, one kid to, said to Dana Bash, you know, we're trying to pass gun control. We're trying to protect your kids more than you're trying to protect your kids. Dana Bash should have obviously, she didn't take the bait, but she should have been like, do you even know the names of my kids? Like, have you ever met my kids? You're not doing, you're would not you trying. you give your life for my kids? Because I guarantee you wouldn't. Right. But every mom would give their own mm -hmm. life for their yeah. children. So you're, they're obviously not. Those kids need to shut those up. Those are some disgusting things to say. I mean... Yeah, they were in the biggest moment was Rubio actually said, okay, you want to ban the AR-15, which is something they want to do. And he basically said, if you look at the laws, regulations, and what classifies the AR-15 as the gun it is, if you want to ban that gun, you're going to have to basically ban all semi-automatic uh, uh, weapons mm -hmm. in the country. And semi-automatic weapon means that you pull the trigger once and one bullet comes out and another one is chambered as the, the bullet mm -hmm. comes out. Uh, I would say about 70%, 80% of the, all guns are semi-automatic weapons. A pistol mm. is a semi-automatic semi weapon. You yep. pull the trigger once and one bullet comes out and it's chambered. You can shoot go. a gun, a pistol at the same rate you can shoot. Uh, and so he basically was saying about 70% of guns are going to have to be banned if you're going to ban this AR-15. And the crowd went wild. The NRA... They were like, is, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, the NRA is going to take this clip. They're going to run it constantly. I mean, they're basically calling, 70% of the guns, they're basically calling for a repeal of the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. The NRA is going to go crazy about this. And I'm, I believe that this gun issue, especially with the timing and how some people on the left are, are the position they're taking, I honestly believe the, the Republicans were really at risk of losing the House in 2018. Mm -hmm. And that's in the, like nine months they, we vote again. Yeah. And they were, the Republicans were really at risk of losing the House. And I believe the gun issue is going to win the GOP 20, the, the 2018 elections. And I'm actually working – I'm writing an article right now. I'm working on it about how I believe the, the Republicans were going to lose the House and now because of this issue. I think there were a lot of people who say have own guns and they want to keep their guns. And they were, probably weren't going to go out and vote in November. And now I think they're like, I might, I might go do it now. So the scariest thing that you just said to me is that no NRA member has ever been in, uh, part of a mass shooting. That scares the crap out of me because that just shows a huge divide between what people think is happening and it, it just shows a huge stark contrast between the two sides. They're not willing to understand each other. When I hear that statistic, I'm thinking, oh crap, that sounds like a huge canyon between NRA members and the general public because I bet the NRA members firmly understand that. And if that's a, it's, if that's a true fact, I'd love to fact check that. I'm not, not, not that I'm saying that I don't believe you. I do believe you. But mm -hmm. I, how many people know that? How many? Yeah. Knowledge is key nobody. in this. That's though, huge. Because even with the type of gun, how many people are aware of what makes a gun a gun? Like what mm -hmm. makes it semi-automatic? Which, type of which gun? Yeah, you just touched on. Anyone you talk to, I guarantee they would think that this AR-15 is completely different than a pistol, which is why it should be banned. But again, it's lack of knowledge. And yeah. if you don't have the knowledge to talk about it, then don't. Yeah. Or do some research before you start to make yourself All look like a fool. All they see are fully automatic weapons yeah. on their games. So this whole thing was basically the, the people who were pro-Second Amendment were standing up there 
kids from the school would come up there and basically call them murderers, call them you know heartless. They don't care about people dying, and then the crowd would cheer them on. When they said that, and then when the person who was pro Second Amendment tried to give their argument, people in the crowd would just yell at them. Mm-hmm. It was a disgrace. Some of the things the kids said. Listen, these these are all kids either eighteen or younger, and I understand they just went through a tragedy. But listen, I'm not taking gun control advice from the generation most famously known for eating laundry detergent. Yeah, I'm not taking your advice. You, not you're not happen. you're not experts on gun control. <laughs> it was so bad there. Dana Bash spoke at CPAC a couple of days, uh, actually yesterday. It was a couple of days after the, I think, or yeah, a couple of days after her uh, the town hall, and she said that it was so bad in there. If she did not have a private security team with her, she would not have been able to make it out of that arena. Hmm. They wow. people were rushing the stage. People were screaming, "Burn her!" as she was trying to leave. Wow. And. Um, I, these aren't the people. I'm not going to take gun control advice from people who are behaving like this. Yeah. Can I make a comment about the other meeting? Yeah. You said the sheriff didn't mention any problems happening on his own end. So this, the sheriff was at the the town hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. talking. I'm talking about that meeting. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting to me when leaders don't uh, accept responsibility for instances like that. I think if you're a good leader, the first thing you say is, "Hey, we messed up, and this is how we could have been better." This is how solutions will happen in this county from now on, and then talk about the issue. The fact that it wasn't even brought up, that dude's trash. He needs to get out of there. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that. What really? So this only really broke yesterday. So we talked about last week about how there were a lot of uh, issues with uh, the FBI and the local law enforcement, and yeah. how a lot of this happened because of them. Yesterday, some really significant information broke. Honestly, I think we might actually be able to call this the worst law enforcement failure in modern American history. It was really, really, it was really bad. So first off, we talked about last week how the FBI had multiple warnings about this guy. Mm-hmm. YouTube video, phone calls. There have been 18 calls to the sheriff department about this about this kid as a potential shooter. The sheriff office had visited someone from the sheriff's office had visited him over 39 times. It was about six to seven times a year someone had called about this kid, and they went to the house Damn. to talk about him. <laughs> If you have to, I'm sorry. That's a ton. It, it, it really makes me mad because you were just talking about the sheriff at the town hall, and he yeah. wouldn't take any responsibility for this. I'm sorry if you had to visit a home 39 times, and then the kid who you were visiting about ends up being a mass shooter. You might have missed something. Yeah, and he you messed up. He was so defensive was, too. It wasn't yeah. even like he was trying to be like, oh well, you know, due to policies, due to this. No, he was like, well, what what did you expect me to do? It's like uh, your job. Yeah, something. Freaking something. I mean, even a fa- family members had called about... Some of those calls were family members. Yeah, his own family. They, yeah, no, 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 nothing was done. But we all we knew a lot of this, I mean, last week, but we mm, we, we really kind of got confirmed. a sharper picture about how bad it was. Yeah. What really... What broke yesterday on Friday, what, what was really bad was that there was an armed school resource officer at the campus. This guy was armed. He had a gun. He he didn't he didn't go into the building to try and engage in the shooter with the shooter once the shooting had started. Mm-hmm. I thought this was bad. Okay, we'll talk about maybe why he maybe made that decision to not yeah. go in. Yeah, I thought it was even worse when we found out that three deputies from the sheriff's office in that area also had arrived at the campus and were there when the shooter engaged. And mm-hmm. all four of them stood outside the building. For four minutes, uh, you know, while the, sh- the shooting, while was, the shooting was happening, until it stopped, no, no one in, entered the building until another police department showed up. And when they got there, the four officers were g- guns drawn, hidden behind their cars, waiting for someone to counter- come out of the building. 
Now, I do have to question, is that policy? I mean, and I know that you might not have the answer to that, but is that... I don't know what policy. their I don't know what their policy is. I have to imagine that every police force in this country, if there's an active shooter as a cop, you have to engage that shooter to try and stop them. I had an, an opportunity to speak with an FBI agent. I would assume that their policies are similar to the sheriff's office. The policy is to find where that gun noise is coming from and engage the weapon, neutralize the weapon. You are yeah, you're supposed to find out where is that noise coming from. Who is the attacker, right? Who's the perpetrator and neutralize the gun? That was verbatim his words. Yeah. You go towards the noise and you neutralize the gun. So there really was a failure of authorities at every level. The FBI, yep. the local authorities, even mm-hmm. the, the officer stationed at the building. So I had an opportunity to speak um, this morning, actually, with a retired FBI agent from the Chicago office. And I asked him personally because I was curious. I said... Hey, you know, we were talking about this last week on our episode of the podcast. Was this a failure by the FBI? And his eyes rolled harder than anything I've ever seen. It looked like the Rock of Gibraltar just falling to its side. Basketball's rolling down the steepest oh, driveway Oh, my goodness. Ever. Yeah, it was like so far. And he just went off. And he used a lot of flagrant swear words when he described the processes um, so, would you say he was upset? Yeah, he was very <laughs> upset. Uh, he he re- related to me. He said, you know, I, I retired back in 2000. And, you know, this kind of like old guy talk. But he was saying, you know, back then we used to take names and kick some ass. I said, yeah, okay, what was the difference? And he was language saying, is offensive. Well, <laughs> he was saying the process back then was you would call a local office of the FBI. And whoever was the agent on staff to take calls, usually the person who was in trouble for something the previous month, was put on the table to take calls. But they would either assi- uh, assign it to an agent or would put it on file to be looked into quickly, which is similar to the process now. He was relating to me that there is a standard... United States-wide office where every call is routed to, and on a much larger scale, if it's a serious issue, if it's deemed a serious issue, it's sent to the district office, right, or maybe the state office. I'm not really sure how specific FBI gets by its location. But if not, it's put on what he described as a carousel wheel, which I have to imagine is similar I think, to... I think most major U.S. cities, like top 50, top mm-hmm. 70 biggest cities, they have an FBI field office. I, yeah, I feel like that would have they to. They do. Yeah. Here in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is like... Right I think by the, my house. Cincinnati is like the 33rd, 32nd biggest city in the country. Mm-hmm. We have an FBI field office. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he, what he was relating to me is that it gets put on this you know, list of cases to look into, look into nationally. And even so, this case still was gotten to. And once it was taken to the office, right, they contacted a local sheriff to look into it. And that's where that chain of command started falling through, Mm -hmm. was the FBI didn't look into this further, especially after the video. He was talking to me about the detective work that happened seeing the YouTube video. They were not able to find the person. The FBI was not able to find the person because apparently it spelled his name wrong in the YouTube video. Right. Very closely spelled it, but it was just slightly off. And like, like I'm pretty sure like my girlfriend's group of friends has better detective work than that. They'd be able to find some (laughs) stuff like that. Mosby boys are on the case. A group of girls. We make the best like FBI, CIA agents Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, Put them on the case. They do their research. Um, and it, you mentioned all the stuff with the FBI, and I, like I said, it's not. It was a breakdown at all levels, yep. FBI and local. And people were saying we have to ban guns. The only people who have should, should have guns are law enforcement. Like, well, they didn't these do are shit. The, these are the <laughs> they're mor- the ones who didn't act. These are the morons you're saying who are, I have to give my guns to because they're the ones that are going to protect us. They didn't run in 
They didn't engage the shooter. The last big shooting we had before this, when I say big shooting, I mean um, like double digit numbers, was the, it was the Sutherland Springs church shooting. This happened in 2017. This happened last year. I remember that. This is the fifth largest shooting in American history behind Las Vegas, Orlando, Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook. This was it's, Texas, it's, right? It's, yeah. The Texas shooting the 27 dead, including the perpetrator. What chased him off was a NRA member, a, a you know, mm-hmm. a guy who owned a semi-automatic rifle and the AR-15 took the gun to the, the he lived nearby. He heard yeah. the gunshots, grabbed his gun, ran at the, the, at the shooter, chased the shooter off. It followed the shooter in his car. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of that's an individual citizen who has gun rights, and he and was he able took to responsibility. He was able to stop more people yeah. from dying because he went after this guy. Even our own law enforcement didn't go after this most recent guy. Yeah. Why are you? How are you going to? It's a hard sell to tell me you're going to take guns away from this guy and only give them to the people like this who did not take yeah, action. Yeah, who didn't do it? I have trouble believe. I have trouble buying into that. It's crazy. You have to look at the facts like that. You have to be able to have conversations like that and realize what the real solutions are. Yeah. They, I mean, Donald Trump tweeted out, he called, he called them the people who didn't run out of the building, called them cowards. Good. And I have Fair to, enough. and I have to agree with the, with his assessment. Uh, you didn't do your job because you were too afraid to do it. That's kind of textbook cowardism to me. Cowardice. I mean, they didn't, I mean, it was their, and I, I was talking to your dad earlier today. He used to be a police officer. You mentioned him. He would have. He said, like, as soon as I heard the gunshots, as soon as I was there, I would have gone in. And it's like that's what you have to do. It's, you uh, you swore to protect people. You got. There were people. We talked about them last week. There were people in that building who didn't have guns, mm-hmm. who gave up their bodies to protect people. How are you going to have a gun and not go in there to to protect them? Well, yeah. what's even better is when he did mention this to us. He told us sort of. I mean, obviously a different scenario, but he was called in for a bank robbery when he was you know new on the job working as a police officer in Mason. And as soon as he got there, he pulled his weapon and he went in. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that he said, oh, I would have gone in. No, he would have he gone has. in because he has. Yeah, he has done And that. that's what happens when you sign up to be a law enforcement. You're going to be a police officer. You have to be like, you know, willing to put your life on the line mm-hmm. to save innocent people that aren't trained, mm-hmm. that don't have a bulletproof vest on, and that don't have a weapon. Right. That's what you're there for. It's so interesting because we're just coming off of, you know, a couple of years of hearing about police officers killing people no problem. You know, very, very, uh, not, you know, not long ago, very short time ago, we were talking about how police officers were shooting everybody. And now all of a sudden they're having trouble running towards conflict. You know, what's happening with that? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The failure of the, the local sheriff's department was astounding. For that sheriff to go, to, for him to head that department and for his deputies to not go in there and save lives and for then him to go on national TV on CNN and blame Marco Rubio and the head of the NRA or the speaks person from the NRA for these deaths, absolutely disgusting. He should be fired. If we're talking about confiscating guns, I think the only people who actually deserve to lose their firearms are the Brower County Sheriff's Department. They all mm-hmm. screwed up. They need to clean out that department. They need to fire people, and honestly, I think we need, and it's not just we're investigating the FBI on this, we need an extensive investigation into this Broward County Sheriff's Department Mm -hmm. because they failed, um, the people who are there to support. And one of the big arguments is that, okay, the people on the left are trying to defend the police officers who didn't run in there, which is interesting 
Because over the last couple of years, I've never heard any liberals defend any police <laughs> officers so. ever. So it's interesting, but they're saying, how would they go in there? How would they do that with just a with just a handgun? That guy's got a, an AR-15. First off, having an AR-15 does not make you invincible. It does not make you bulletproof. It does not make you invisible. You can still go in there with a handgun and kill those people. Another big argument is that well, the 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 gun is it's a lot. It shoots faster. We did, we did the someone besides me because I don't <laughs> do math. <someone laughs> we were told we established that last exactly. <laughs> someone did the math, and it actually I think it was uh, Ben Shapiro. I saw a tweet about it, and. Uh, if you do the math, an AR-15 versus like the standard issue gun issued but to like a, a cop, if they're standing a hundred feet away from each other, the AR-15 shoots at a rate that is five one hundredths of a second faster than the handgun. Mm-hmm. Five one hundredths of a second. We are both swimmers. We know that's pretty damn. Hundredths short. make a big difference, but five one hundredths of a second—that's like you, you can't even snap that fast. You can't yeah, even blink that fast. fast. It's real quick. You're telling me a trained officer can't get in there and pull his he pull his trigger, you know, five one hundredths of a second faster than the arm shooter. I, I, that's not. I don't right, think that's, a, that's not a legitimate argument. Then some kid. Yeah. Like, let's not make Somebody's him look like trained. some professional. Yeah. Like, if you've been trained and you're on the force, you should definitely have the skill to neutralize an eighteen year old child, you know, with mental issues. You know, and what blows my yeah. mind here is that, you know, and we're I'm going to bring it back to the hero of this whole scenario. You know, this teacher, Aaron Feiss. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The unarmed, unarmed Ran decides to run in and give his own life when the people hired to do that job didn't have, you know, for lack of a better word, the balls to step in and do it. Yeah, absolutely astounding. Cowards. And um, he had his concealed carry, but because he was on school property, he didn't have it. Right. Right. And that, yeah, that's an, a whole other thing about whether or not schools should be gun-free zones for those yeah, I mean, you know, faculty members who want to carry. Right. I mean, you go back, back to the conversation yeah, bring, from yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to think if Aaron had had a gun on him, he'd probably still be alive today. That's true. He probably could have, would have been able to do something about that. And maybe, you know, at least a few of the 17 would be alive today. I yeah. mean, there's no guarantees, obviously. Right. But What's also important to, to mention, I think, if one or all four of those officers on campus at that time had rushed in there, I have to think at least one hopefully all or more, you know, yeah. more than one would of lives would have been saved if they had engaged the shooter. And it's, uh, it's pretty sad. So Johnny, do you want to spend the, you want to, you have a couple of things you might want to talk about, right? Yeah. So last, I wanted like, to 15 move minutes or so yeah. talking about something. I little, wanted to move a little bit away from a little the, less, a little less heavy. <laughs> well, move a little bit away from the political scene and talk about where people are getting information from. And I wanted to bring this up kind of, you know, um, experientially between us and discuss about, you know, like, you know, when you're in college, where are you getting your information from? What sources of information are permeating your social groups and yourself personally and helping you shape ideas about what's happening around the world? Mm-hmm. I, it's just something that I'm, I'm starting to write about, but I think it's very interesting because I recall throughout my college experience I was mostly on Facebook and Twitter. I, I used Instagram and Snapchat, but not a, probably not as prevalently as the other two. The interesting thing about those social media outlets is that they're heavily influenced by the people that you interact with on their interface. And what it does is it creates an algorithm that bases, you know, basically tells you what things that you're looking at often and will mm-hmm. put those things in front of you more. So what essentially what happened, I was in a pretty small college, about 3,000 kids, but what happened is I was mostly shown just things happening around me and perspectives around me, which 
is good, but is also a pseudo brainwashing form. Because if your entire campus is liberal, I would say that campus at Ashland University Which was... Which most are. Most college campuses are. Right, liberal. right. We talked about Very. that earlier. Most staff at uh, colleges these days are you know, identify as liberal. And so you can expect that to be the same on the college campuses. So what's happening on social media is that they're creating their own ecosystems within the social media and they'll only be showing things around their campus, maybe some stuff from home, but not nearly as much. And if all of these things are liberal and all of their sources of information are liberal, how can you expect left radicalism not to permeate itself or at least show itself occasionally throughout all of those posts? And it's really interesting because you have to that has to be something you understand. You have to understand how the thoughts and feelings of these younger adults are coming to be. And I don't think you can, especially today when, you know, I see five-year-olds with tablets, you can't tell me by the time they're 10, they don't know how to use Facebook and Twitter. They right. do. They and by do. the time they're in college, they're so di divulged into that, right? Mm -hmm. They've basically, it's a huge, I will never understand how big of a part that is in their lives because it was Terrifying. part of my life, but it is hugely a part of the younger generations. And you have to be willing to accept that that is affecting their political views. So I got a lot of my news, and I actually I still do. I got a lot of my news in college, and now I still I get it off of Twitter. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand, I follow Fox News, CNN, Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. you know, New York Times. I follow all these major news sources. Reputable I follow sources. all kinds of... Cat Temp. Cat Temp, yes. <laughs> oh, Shout out to Cat Temp. <laughs> Let me know if you want to go on a date. Just kidding. Whoa, whoa. Just kidding. Uh, I'll allow it. Cast. I'll allow it as long as I can go to. Oh, yeah. oh, fair Ooh, enough. A three way. Okay. No. <laughs> what? But then we. Hey, you said you were skyline. conservative. Skyline. Skyline. Yes. Skyline three way. She's oh, probably okay. never oh, had skyline. Oh, my <laughs> I forgot we're in Cincinnati. Exactly. Uh, but if you, um, you know, I follow all these political pundits who I trust, who I think are legitimate, you know, and I think it's a good way to get your news because it's literally a live stream of, of thought and articles about the current news. And mm. I think you, I think Twitter can be a very effective, I'm more, much more worried about people who get their news mainly from Facebook, kind of like <laughs> <Me>. Sarah, <laughs> uh, because you do see a lot of bias in that, that regards, because you're only getting news posted by your friends. And if your friends are posting something, they're much more likely to be posting, if you're posting something and you're actually doing that, mm -hmm. it's much more likely if you're putting that time in, it's going to be an extreme position you're not getting the middle. You're not getting information from the middle. You're not getting information from both sides. Right, you're not getting it from important. your friends. You're not which getting I get it from, from Twitter posts. because I follow all sides. Well, that makes yeah. So that's um, I'm just thinking out loud. Pinterest is a huge thing for the female de demographic. We've talked previously, I, and I've listened to. I remember Jordan Peterson giving these statistics. Tumblr is mostly female. YouTube is well. I shouldn't say mostly. Predominantly female. Tumblr is predominantly female, and YouTube is predominantly men. Uh, from personal experience, I'd like to see the data. I'm guessing that Pinterest is predominantly female. I would at imagine. least, at least in my experience, it has been. Yeah, it's all about those what, wedding pins. Yeah, but you know, so, food. but um, so my girlfriend shows me uh, feminist posts from Pinterest quite often, and I'm looking at these and I'm saying, what reputable source or what data is in this? Because I don't see any, and that's usually where our arguments start. It's productive <laughs> arguments because you know we get to have good discussions about it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm very worried about 
meme or, you know, it might be a witty or it might be a good observation, but there's no data behind it. And, you know, a lot of that worries me because a lot of it, I mean, you have to look at females interacting on these social medias. They are huge on there. I would yeah. say way more than men. Mm-hmm. Men are on there for entertainment, but women do it. Yeah, women do it to socialize and they're on it way more than guys are. And so where are women getting their sources for this? You know, what what data is in that? That scares me. Not to say that women are all making bad decisions or that, you know, every feminist movement doesn't have any data behind it. That's not true, but you know, what about the things being shared? You, do I would have, be, you know, our listeners, I'd like you to consider this. What things do you see females posting about that have good data behind it? Yeah. I don't see much. And that's kind of scary. And I, I think it's just the, the social media culture in general. I think uh, a lot of people post things that they don't know whether it's true or not. I mm-hmm. think the fake news issue is manifesting mainly on social media specifically mm-hmm. facebook there's oh, fake news they, yeah there was there's a crisis fake news actor the, a supposed crisis actor at last week's shooting which i don't think was a, i don't think that was a legitimate right it got taken down really quickly i don't think but he it was actually trending at number six for three hours that was a bs that was a bs um kind of attack from people who i would say call far right or kind of alt right mm-hmm. there were no child actors there everyone there actually you know was a part of the shooting yeah there's blame but on I, both sides. Th- there's was... there's fake news in the mainstream media. A lot of it there kind of uh, mm-hmm. manifests as like them not reporting on things that have happened. And I think the fake news on Facebook is people posting articles and things and stories that aren't real. Yeah. You just have to know which news sources and which pundits are credible, mm-hmm. which ones lean right, which one leans left. Uh, and if you look into it and, more, I think you can find a political relationship between major media outlets and you can understand like, okay, they are more conservative or they are more liberal and know right. that the information being presented to is you coming is, from that. Yeah, yeah, is through that filter. And once you understand that, right. I think it becomes easier to have conversations with people who are, you know, in a bipartisan world on the other side. Of course, yeah. And communication is going to be key. I don't think any solutions are happening without that communication. Mm-hmm. So I'm 100% a Facebook junkie. 100%. Okay. I'm on it all day. It's horrible. She like is. what Twitter is to My Jonathan. My name is Sarah and I'm a Facebook yeah, junkie. Yeah, like <laughs> okay. do we need to have meetings? Hi, because Sarah. I'll be there and We're I'll here be, for you. This I'll be is on my Facebook. Place? I've been checking it constantly. Like this is what I do. It's fine. Um, but I do think one of the biggest things that I see is the memes. They're mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're funny. They're quick. People like them. They share them without even thinking, you know, for an extra second on what it really means. And actually, I saw this one the other day, which of course is relating to the whole gun control. Okay. This girl, she goes on Facebook and it's, you know, a kid holding a stick and it says, when my child hits another child with a stick, I don't blame the stick, but I still take the stick away. Which is interesting, what? right? What? Like, because comparing sticks to hell. Guns. Obviously this is gun control. So we're not blaming the gun, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take the gun away. You know, and so it's, it's just interesting because obviously... Do you I, know how many sticks there are? If that kid wants to go find a stick, he's, going he's getting a damn stick. Johnny, we have to cut down all the trees. All the trees. There's really no other wow, option. Now the well, liberals are really going to be conflicted. <laughs> the, the planet, do we go after... Do we support Mother Nature? Yeah, what's better? Gun no sticks or no trees? Oh yeah. my God. And while we're at it, we might as well ban fists so that you can't punch people either. You know, it's just... Fists and knives do kill more knives. people every year than assault weapons. You know what I could go for Ooh. is like a nice... Putty arm. 
<laughs> Sorry, culinary around. arts. We're gonna have to give you guys some, you know, maybe some Play-Doh <laughs> knives gonna... instead. Oh my Whoa. god, let's not go there. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but no, it's interesting. And what else happens is, you know, people share things that really aren't relevant anymore. You know, there's a girl who posted something that was like, you know, her comment on it said a school shooting coming to a city near you. And it was a shooting that I guess had happened recently in Kentucky, which is not super far from where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also really outdated. We don't we don't go down there. <laughs> oh we avoid the South. <laughs> just not that we hate the South, but mm-hmm. we literally just have to cross a river and we're in the <laughs> which South. Which is currently flooding. Which is currently so flooded. So yeah, we, the river's we're getting wider. <laughs> we're not crossing. Yeah, the river's get, the river's getting wider. Yeah. Yep. But what's interesting is that Unlike this Trump's happens wall, all the time. Which has not started <laughs> construction yet. <laughs> Like I was saying. Yeah, sorry. This happens all the time, where it's articles from three years ago, and people don't read it, they don't open it, they Mm -hmm. don't fact check, which I don't fact check, which is why I don't share anything political on Facebook. I just Mm. stay away from that. It's social media. Let's be social. But at the end of the day, they're sharing stuff, and it's like, cool, that was something that was literally documented four years ago, and you're making it sound like it just happened yesterday. You just gave a prime example, sorry to cut you off, I'll let you continue, but you just gave a prime example about people not being being willing to communicate about the issue. You just said it's social media, let's be social. And you said that you were unwilling to post something political, and that shows you exactly what it is. People not being willing to communicate openly about their politics and have these answers, you know, have these questions answered in a logical way. They don't want to find answers. They want to complain. They want to find judgment. They don't want to take responsibility, and they don't want to have the correct talk with each side. You just nailed it on the head. Well, and then what's funny is you're really the asshole if you're not talking about these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go and, you know, God forbid, you post on Facebook that you just got a job promotion or something, and they're like, how can you celebrate children were just <laughs> killed? And it's like... <laughs> You know, you're I've really, got other stuff wow, going right, on. <laughs> right, but it's like, you know, it really just kind of ruins. So like, I, insensitive. I know, I'm horrible. <laughs> but no, I mean, it comes mm-hmm. down to half the time I just want to get off of all social media and delete it, but then I don't know what I would do to fill my time. Mm, yeah. So, I think, books, Sarah. The, I, think, <laughs> I think a good point is that there are... Listen to our podcast. Exactly. Listen to our podcast. (laughs) I do, and I take notes. (laughs) Listen to our podcast, and you're going to know everything you need to know. But otherwise, (laughs) I think it is important to get your information from both sides. It's it's important to get information from both, um, from multiple media sources. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're going for when we launch, we're getting ready to launch this news network. And we really are Mm -hmm. trying to get opinions of both uh, people who lean left and people who lean right. Because we feel like there are good points on both sides, and we want to get people engaged in that discussion, and we're sure. really getting excited about launching that. You wanna uh, you wanna close us out with some more details about where people can find that information. I'm gonna steal the thunder from you okay. for a second because <laughs> I'm I'm actually helping out and kind of running the marketing over here. Yes, yeah, um, with my background. So um, coming soon is our um, website, which is yep. going to be axiomnewsnetwork.com. Um, we're definitely going to have a bunch of articles featured that we're all working on as well as some outside sources, mm-hmm. you know, looking mm-hmm. at friends, parents, like Jonathan said, both sides of the political aisle so yeah. that we do have some different views. Everyone at this table is currently writing articles for the website and we have multiple contributors outside mm-hmm. as well. True. Yeah. Um, we officially have social media up for all of us. So we have on Facebook an Axiom News Network page. Feel free to follow us so you can get different updates. Um, make sure you do subscribe to 
to the podcast. We've heard it both ways on the iPad or iPad, iPod. I can't talk. <laughs> iTunes, iTunes podcast. Yeah, iTunes podcast. Yeah. Sorry, I'm go. not a speech major. And pretty soon, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're hoping to be up on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, Google Play as well. So we're coming we're, to you soon. Coming everywhere. to you soon. <laughs> we, we will be available everywhere. Yeah. Um, we'll, we, we'll keep you updated on all that. We also have an Instagram account. It's Axiom underscore News underscore Network. And then we also have a Twitter account that is at News Axiom. So uh, check out all of those. Make sure to follow us. We love your guys' help in growing the business. Yeah, and send us, uh, if you have any questions or comments, send us, uh, you know, your comments and questions to... And topics. And topics, yeah. exactly. Anything you're interested in. Anything you want to say. Um, honestly, we'll, we'll, we'll read them all. Send them to johnprofitaxiom at gmail.com. And we'll uh, address all of your comments uh, next episode. Um, Sarah, is there anything else you'd like to, to add? Last minute thoughts, comments? No, that's it. I'm, yeah, you I'm have the good. floor for the last minute. I know. Stealing your guys' <laughs> no thunder. I think we should just close every podcast with me talking. Follow Sarah Yothmint <laughs> on Facebook. Nah, I won't add you. Oh, I'm not she gonna will. Lie. She's not a, a liar. It's not a public site. I. It's just my personal. She'll Facebook. add you on Facebook. Don't right. worry, Johnny. <clears throat> anything, uh, where can we find you? In any last. Uh, Final thoughts that you'd like to add? Um, yeah, John Kleinhens on Facebook. Add me there. Send me comments, uh, whatever you like. I got rid of my Twitter a long time ago, so you can't find me there, unfortunately. He's got to um, get back into you it. You can literally message me. just made a new one. He needs to get back into it. That's We're, true. I'm, I'm working on him, people. I'm yeah, he's on. working on me. I'm not sold. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can contact me through the Axiom News Network also. But uh, Aaron Freeze. Freeze? 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 Uh, fries, yeah. American hero. Remember yeah. that guy. Yeah, shout out. Yep. Uh, you guys can find, you know, friend me, Jonathan Prophet on Facebook. Uh, please, please follow me, uh, John Prof, at John Prof, J-O-N-P-R-O-F on Twitter. Um, we're going to be sending tons of new content out at you guys in the next... Uh, He's the Twitter master. The next few weeks, and a lot of it's going to be posted on there, and... Um, you know, I'm really excited about what we're doing. Final thoughts, just like I said, we're, we got a lot of articles writing mm-hmm. that we're writing lately. Um, I've got one on some of the recent uh, political correctness tyranny in Canada. I've got one about how I don't think the AR-15 is the boogeyman that people are making it out to be. Um, you know, I got I got a few 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 coming at you. So I'm, we're, we're really excited. We're getting launched here. Very excited. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> For John Kleinens, you know, I just want to say, Sarah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. It's great having you. Very first guest. Yes, very first guest. I'm <laughs> no glad we got you on. Though, guys. We're, our plan is to have a lot more guests on, mm-hmm. hopefully people who are experts in their field. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not excited to listen to this because I can't stand the sound of my voice, and I'm really sorry if anyone else feels that <laughs> oh, same way. You'll be fine. You'll hear it. You'll be surprised <laughs> how, how great you sound. Yeah. yeah. I tried to not get excited because then it gets really high-pitched. <laughs> like, my professional <laughs> voice is really scary. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, for John Kleinens, I'm John Profit. Uh, thank you for listening and joining us this week. Uh, we'll see you next week. And remember, we've heard it both ways. <laughs>